I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's first game back in the Premier League. The Gunners take on West Ham United on Boxing Day at Emirates Stadium, and we'll be hoping to pick up where they left off, of course, before the World Cup. We're going to be previewing the game in detail, we're going to be talking about the significance, really, of Arsenal getting back uh, to winning ways. And very, very quickly after what was an unprecedented pause, you know, an unprecedented interference, disruption to a Premier League season. How are Arsenal going to cope with that? We'll get into all of that today. We'll also be touching on West Ham United and what we need to be wary about when it comes to David Moyes' side. We'll be discussing the lineup. We'll be discussing the team news. We'll also be predicting how this one is going to go. And we'll be taking some of your thoughts and some of your questions, of course, as always, from the live chat. Um, I'm a little bit wheezy today. Uh, lately, the last year or so, I get a little bit of asthma here and there, and I'm feeling it a little bit today. So if I do sound a little bit short of breath, that is why I'm not running or jogging in the middle of the podcast, as those of you watching it can see. Uh, but yeah, it, it happens to me every now and again. And then I take a little uh, inhaler and I start to feel a little bit better. But yeah, it's um, it's just started bothering me just before we went live on air. So I do apologize for that if I sound like I'm a little bit short of breath. But anyway, let's say some hellos. Uh, a big hello to uh, Creambone. Hope you are well. Uh, a big hello to Temi, who joins us, uh, to Deflected Mind, to Adair, who says, um, Oi, oi, Harry, glad to catch a live show. It's been a while. Happy holidays to you and the fam from Brooklyn and to you, my friend, and to you. A uh, big hello to Imran uh, Rashid, who joins us from Dubai. He says, Merry Christmas from Dubai. Uh, and, of course, to everybody else. Raphael is with us as well. He says, wishing you and fellow Gooners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Looking forward to seeing Arsenal built on what they've achieved thus far this season from Singapore. Big hello to Mohammed as well who is with us, to Jimmy Flo, to Des, to Zebic, to Jason. Hope you guys are all good. Uh, James Bond says, Harry, rum and lime cures everything. You know what? I might pour myself a cheeky one uh, tonight. It is Christmas Eve and all that. And um, yeah, I mean, look, let's let's start off there. It is Christmas Eve. So I want to say a Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, we'll do the kind of end of year, New Year speech uh, closer to the time, because obviously we will be bringing you shows over the festive period because Arsenal are in action. Arsenal are in action, of course, on Boxing Day, uh, as mentioned, against West Ham. And of course, are back in action again um, on New Year's Eve when they take on Brighton and Hove Albion at the Amex Stadium. So, look, there's lots for us to talk about. The transfer stuff, we'll park it for today. There's lots of that going around as well. But of course, the transfer window doesn't open until January and I'm sure over the course of that month, you're going to get sick of the transfer chat. So let's just park it for today and let's focus on the football because to be previewing an Arsenal Premier League game again is is quite something. You know, I'm really buzzing for the return. I'm really excited about the return. I know a lot of people are nervous about the return and understandably so, because as I've said already, we don't really know what impact the World Cup break is going to have. We don't really know what it's going to mean for form. You know, we look at the form books and we look at, you know, how Arsenal fared so far this season, sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League. 
You look at West Ham United in 16th place, but you know deep down that the squad is better than that. You know that David Moyes is better than that. And you know that it's probably not a true reflection of what West Ham can do on their day. And so it makes you a little bit wary. We don't know how some of our players are going to fare who have come back since, um, you know, we last kind of checked in. And, you know, we know that William Saliba, for example, is someone that may or may not be involved because of his, of course, late return, having made it to the World Cup final. So, look, there's so much in terms of uncertainty. There's so much that we can't quite get a read on at this moment in time, but we're going to do our best to preview this one. And uh, I guess the best, um, you know, the best way to start is is just to say, look, I know a lot of people are concerned about Jesus's injury, myself included. I know a lot of people watched some of the recent friendlies, particularly the one against Juventus, where we were beaten, of course, at Emirates Stadium, and people were concerned by that. It was possession, possession, possession. But it was an Arsenal side that were incapable of turning that possession into really anything of note. And, you know, that might be a problem. I know a lot of people sort of point to the fact that obviously Gavi Jesus isn't in the side at the moment and and won't be for some time and how that might have a really negative impact on us. And I get all of that, but he hadn't scored in 15 games, you know, or whatever it was. Was it 15? Something like that anyway. But I know that, you know, I know that with him in the side, we create far more chances. I know that with him in the side, we're a much more um, cohesive attacking unit. We also know that he defends from the front exceptionally well. So we know that we're going to miss Gabby Jesus. We know that we're not going to be the same team without him. The question is, can we can we get back to, you know, can we get back to being a real force and, and can we get back to, you know, causing teams problems? And will it be enough for us to continue, look, not in exactly the same vein. I said this to you guys the other day, our win percentage rate in the Premier League so far this season is about 86%. You're not going to sustain that. The great Manchester City sides can't sustain that. Liverpool of recent seasons who have been incredibly good don't and can't sustain that. If you're expecting Arsenal to sustain the level that they showed in the first part of the season for the duration of the campaign, I'm sorry, but you're deluded. That was never going to happen with or without Gabriel Jesus. Obviously, it becomes more difficult and much harder without him. But that was never a realistic expectation. So let's see how we go. Let's see how we get on. But what I will say about those friendlies, um, and, and when I say friendlies, I mean, obviously, the defeat against Juventus, but the nil-nil draw that was played behind closed doors against Luton Town as well, which, again, had some people, believe it or not, panicking. If Arsenal go out there and get three points on Boxing Day, get back to winning ways, that doesn't matter. Nobody cares about what happened in those two friendlies. And that's how it should be. You know, they were about fitness. They were about just polishing up. They were about just kind of dusting off the cobwebs and getting back into the flow of things. The results, were they important? Not in my book. I know to some people they are. And I know for some people they've reinforced concerns that they already had following the news that Gabby Jesus would be out. But I'm not reading into them. Why? Because if we go out there on Boxing Day, we put in a good performance. Eddie Nketiah gets himself on the score sheet. That sets the tone for him. You know, he'll be nervous stepping into Gabby Jesus' shoes. I know that people say, well, you know, he's been waiting for this opportunity for ages and here it is. He's got to take it. Of course he's got to take it. And of course he'll want to take it. But at, that, at the same time, by that same token, Eddie Nketiah will, 
will be nervous about this. You know, he'll be nervous about the pressure that's on him and the fact that there is so much expectation and so much to live up to, essentially, uh, given how good Gabby Jesus is and has been. So, look, if he can break his duct early, if he can get on the score sheet, that'll be massive. And if Arsenal can get three points, then it really does settle the nerves and, and sends a signal out to people again, albeit against the West Ham side that have struggled this season. It tells everybody that, yeah, you know what, we are here and we're not just going to crumble at the first sign of trouble. We're not going to crumble as soon as we lose one of our key players. We'll keep going, we'll keep pushing. How far that will take us, only time will tell. But I think winning on Boxing Day would be massive for Arsenal. Internally, um, in terms of the dressing room and, and for Mikel Arteta, I think for the fans it will be huge as well. And I think it sends a big, big message to everybody else that says, yeah, you know what? They've they've hit a, a bumpy patch in terms of, not our form, but in terms of losing one of our key players. And they've still managed to continue to show some level of consistency. So, yeah, you know, we've got to get back to winning ways and we've got to do it quickly. Uh, Mikel Arteta was speaking in his press conference, uh, of course, uh, yesterday. He spoke at length about a number of issues. We'll touch on some of those points in just a minute. But this just came to mind. Like, just just think about this for a second, OK? It, I know it's only going to be temporarily, probably. But if Arsenal could win on Boxing Day, the Gunners would go eight points clear temporarily of Manchester City at the top of the pile. Arsenal could open up an eight-point gap. Now, as I say, it probably won't last very long. But the significance of that, I think, is huge in terms of confidence, in terms of sending a message to everybody else, in terms of all of those things that I've discussed, I think that could be massive. It really, really could. But anyway, on to the press conference. Mikel Arteta, you know, he's spoken about the need and the desire to start fast, to start strong, to get back to winning ways straight away. He was asked about the players that have participated at the World Cup and have since returned. And he said they're all fine. Um... He was asked if everybody was back apart from William Saliba. And he said, yes, they're all here. When he was asked a little bit later on in the press conference about whether William Saliba could be or would be involved, he said, let's see. It depends essentially on how he comes back. Is he going to come back fit? Is he going to come back sharp? Is he going to come back ready? If he does, Mikel Arteta clearly is not ruling out the possibility of throwing him straight into the team. In terms of injury updates, he spoke uh, a little bit about Gabriel Jesus. He said that, you know, he never put a time frame on it. So when he was put to him that he might be out till February, Mikel Arteta said, look, I didn't say that. I know Gabby Jesus. I know what he's like. I'm paraphrasing now, but he said, I know what he's like. I know what he can do. I know his character. And so I didn't put any time frame on his injury. It will take a while because he's been out for surgery, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't me, Mikel Arteta says that put the time frame on. So I think he's kind of hinting there that maybe Gabby Jesus will be back a little bit sooner than potentially first feared. Omri's Nelson, who picked up an injury during the friendlies, uh, he said he's going to be out for weeks, which is obviously a blow to us because he also went on to say that Emil Smith-Rowe is not quite there yet. He said he's close. He started to train again, but he did have a small setback recently, although he is in a good place. So Emil Smith-Rose's return doesn't feel a million miles away, but he's not quite ready to come into the fray on Boxing Day. So, you know, we are a little bit light at the moment in a number of areas. You know, Martinelli, Saka have come back from the World Cup. You'd assume they'll be ready to go straight in, having participated in some of the friendlies as well. But 
you know, in an ideal world, you'd have probably liked to give them a little bit more of a breather. But we just can't do that at this moment in time. We just can't give people uh, the types of breaks that they want because of how thick and fast the fixtures are coming, because of the very small turnaround time between the World Cup finishing and, of course, the Premier League resuming. In terms of the team, what's Mikel Arteta going to do here? Because we still don't know what the situation is with Alexander Zinchenko. We heard that he might be available for Boxing Day, that Arsenal were optimistic he would be a couple of weeks ago, but he hasn't featured in any of those friendlies. Kieran Tierney didn't feature in the game against Luton either. So you hope that there's nothing wrong there. Although, you know, we've not had anything to confirm it. You just try and read between the lines and it concerns you a little bit that both he and Zinchenko or, or neither he or Zinchenko were available for that particular fixture. Tommy Asu spoke, didn't he, after Japan's World Cup exit about his need to have a little bit of a break, have a pause. And he's not been involved uh, just yet either. So there are a number of headaches for Mikel Arteta going into this game. And, you know, I wouldn't really want to be in his position because I think it's going to be a difficult lineup to pick. I have picked a lineup. I'm going to share with you guys the lineup that I would go with. And um, I'm going to roll it across the bottom of the screen now. Um, but yeah, my 11 to face West Ham United on Boxing Day at Emirates Stadium is Aaron Ramsdale in goal. I've gone for a back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney. Now, I've put a question mark next to Tierney on my notes because that's assuming he's fit. If he is fit, he's certainly fitter than Alexander Zinchenko, who's been out for a period of time and to our understanding hasn't fully trained, hasn't been involved in any of the friendlies. So that's one um, issue, that, you know, but if he is available, Kieran Tierney, then, then he has to play given Zinchenko's absence as well. I guess the other one that I probably need to explain is the inclusion of William Saliba. Now, I didn't play an awful lot at the World Cup. He was someone who was very much on the peripheries for France, somebody who was a key member of the squad, but, you know, didn't need to be called upon probably as regularly as he'd have liked. But you'd imagine that he'd have kept himself in good shape. You'd imagine that he'll be raring to go. Mikel Arteta being cautious about the way he speaks of the Frenchman um, ahead of this match on Boxing Day. But for me, just when you look at the, the wider picture, when you look at the bigger picture, I think he has to come back in and I think he has to start. And as I say, in an ideal world, I'd want to give him a bit more time. I'd want to give him that breather. In an ideal world, he would not be in my starting 11 for this game. But when you think about Zinchenko's absence, when you think about Tommy Asu having hardly been involved, when you think about the alternative, if you move, for example, Ben White inside being Cedric Suarez, at this moment in time, a player heavily linked with a move away at the moment. I think you kind of don't really have an awful lot um, to play with. And, and Mikel Arteta's got some real tough decisions to make at the back. Now, I hope that Zinchenko will be available. We've heard times before that Zinchenko has been unavailable and bang, he's been in the starting lineup. Tomiyasu could be ready and raring to go. We don't know exactly how much he's done since his return. We know that while Arsenal were in Dubai, he was back at London Colney working on his fitness. But again, you know, Mikel Arteta is always keeping things close to his chest and it's really difficult to know how the team's going to look off the back of that. But my starting uh, 11 includes a back four of Ben White at right back, William Saliba, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney, assuming that all of those players are fit and available. 
Moving into the midfield, it's easy. It picks itself. Thomas Partey uh, sitting at the base of the midfield with Odegaard and Xhaka either side of him. Uh, the wide positions will be occupied by Martinelli and Saka. Again, in an ideal world, maybe you want to give these players a little bit longer. Maybe you want to give them a bit of a breather. Maybe you want to ease them back into club football. But unfortunately, we don't have many alternatives. I've mentioned Emil Smith-Rowe is not going to be ready. Reese Nelson, who had come in and done quite well uh, not too long ago, is also unavailable and will be missing for weeks. Um, you know, is Marquinhos ready at this level? I don't think so. Is Fabio Vieira an option to play from a wide position? Potentially, but I don't think he's anywhere near as effective as Martinelli or Saka. So I wouldn't take the risk. I'd play both of those players. And then through the middle, I think it's got to be Eddie Nketiah. We've talked about him at length over the last few weeks. We've mentioned him already today in terms of how he might be feeling and the significance and importance of him, you know, if he can, getting on the score sheet early, getting involved um, and, and sort of, you know, just settling those nerves a little bit. But hey, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see where we go. Let's see where we end up. But that is my starting 11 then to face West Ham. And remember, this is not the starting 11 that I know or think is even going to start on a lot of the time. This is the 11 that I would go with. So let me just reiterate that for our audio listeners. Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney across the back line. Partey, Odegaard and Xhaka in midfield. Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left and Eddie Nketiah through the middle. As for West Ham United, they are, of course, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, sitting 16th in the division, but we know they're better than that. OK, this is a side that went to the latter stages of the Europa League last season. Um, you know, David Moyes has, has struggled to get them going at the start of this campaign, but they have been rocked by injuries to some really key players in the early weeks. And that has certainly not helped. They've won one of their last five league games. They've lost four of those. But again, as I said a little bit earlier on, I think form perhaps isn't as significant now as it was before the World Cup, right? Because this is almost an opportunity for a lot of sides to reset. So when we're sitting here saying that for Arsenal, actually it's probably bad that we ended up going into the break when we did because of the momentum we had and because of the run we were on and because, you know, we were cruising at that point. You know, the flip can be said of, of teams that, you know, have been struggling. Maybe that reset and almost drawing a line under it and almost going into a new season, if that's the way they want to frame it sort of psychologically, that could be of benefit to a lot of these sides. But West Ham are not without their injury problems. Uh, Mikel Antonio, Gianluca Scamacca, Naya Aguirre, who was brilliant, by the way, at the World Cup, which goes to show how much West Ham have missed him um, at the start of this Premier League season and Aaron Cresswell are all doubts. So David Moyes has got some tough decisions to make as well, and he's got lots and lots to think about. But yeah, I mean, the obvious things to look out for against the West Ham side are their aerial threat. You know, we know they've got that. We know that's been a big weapon. Set pieces have been a big weapon uh, throughout um, David Moyes' time there. So that's something we've got to be aware of. That's something we've got to worry about. Um also, you know, they're going to be competitive. You know, they're going to bat. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, 
not just for football. And saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. So you know they're going to fight. You know they're very, very physical in their nature, particularly in certain areas of the park. And Arsenal are going to have to be at it. Arsenal are going to have to, you know, earn the right to play the the swashbuckling football that Mikel Arteta obviously loves to see, to play the intricate passes, to, you know, be able to have most of the ball and, and sort of dictate the pace and tempo of the game. We're going to have to earn the right to do that physically. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But not going to be an easy game, in my opinion. I think it will be tough, but there's no reason given what we know about these two teams and, and given what we've seen of them this season, there's no reason to be scared. There's no reason to be sitting here going, oh my God, this is terrible. You should never take anything for granted in the Premier League. It's why it's the toughest league in the world. Anybody can beat anybody. You know, shocks and surprises are always just around the corner. But, you know, I think Arsenal have given us plenty of reason to believe this season that they've got incredible character, incredible fight, and that even with a couple of players missing, we might be able, or we should be good enough to get the job done at home against David Moyes' side, who I was told uh, by a West Ham supporting colleague of mine earlier in the week are statistically the worst team in the Premier League on Boxing Day. Now, I haven't looked that up, so I can't 100% verify that, but I trust his judgment um, and I trust his knowledge as well. So if that's what he says, then it's, I'm pretty sure it's true. But again, you know, how much do you read into that kind of thing? How much do you let that kind of thing creep into your psyche going into a game like this? I don't think you should. Um, I don't think you should. But anyway, that's my preview. In terms of a prediction, ooh, I'm going to go for 2-0 to the Arsenal. I'm going to go for 2-0. Um, that's what I'm going with. Arsenal 2, West Ham United 0. Okay, get some of your questions, get some of your thoughts in the live chat box. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, tell me what you do differently in terms of the team. Share with me some of your predictions and we'll do a bit of that for the last uh, 10 or so minutes of the show. Um, Nav says, Harry, send me the promo code to join your channel. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Nav, I'm so sorry I haven't got around uh, to logging in and downloading that, but I will do it. I promise. I'm so, so sorry. I'll leave it in the comments section a little bit later on today. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it in the comments section a little bit today. You know what? I'll put it in the community tab uh, for those of you that want to check it out on the YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, apologies. I just haven't got around to it. I've been so busy. It's been so manic the last few days. To put into context as well how last minute I am when it comes to Christmas shopping, I had eight Amazon deliveries come to my house this morning. Eight. It was about 16 items packaged up into about eight deliveries. It's mad. It's mad. But that's how bad I am at this stuff. That's how lastminute.com I am. And then I end up running around, chasing my tail, trying to occupy the kids as well at the same time. Um, went and dropped off a few Christmas presents this morning. Had to go to a supermarket this morning as well, uh, which was surprisingly quiet, actually. And then while I was there, I was like, did I, is what I got? my little girl substantial enough she's a lot younger obviously and wouldn't notice anyway but I felt like I hadn't been very fair on the balance so I decided to pop into a toy shop and get her uh, something additional as well so it's been all all action all systems go but you know what there's just one thing I want to say about Christmas just quickly 
uh, before we go on to the question, before we go into you guys' thoughts. Ever since I became a parent, I feel, I feel, as I'm sure most parents do, I feel a pressure every time Christmas comes to, you know, make sure that I can put on the best Christmas for my kids that I possibly can. And, you know, you get caught up in it and you're running around like mad and you're chasing your tail and you're spending all sorts of money. Sometimes for some people, it's money that they don't really have and money that they can't really afford to spend. But we do it anyway because we want to make sure that our kids and our family members and our friends and everybody gets the best Christmas they can. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about spending time with your loved ones. Christmas is about family. Christmas is about you know, all the other things that the things that you can't see. Yeah, the slap up meal, it's lovely and it's great. And, you know, obviously it's something that, you know, you want if you can have it. The same with the gifts, right? They're great. They're brilliant. But that's not what it's all about. And I, I spoke to someone today who I know is going through a, a tough time financially, as are many people, particularly in the UK at the moment, because of the, the way the cost of living has just dramatically increased in such a short period of time. And I, I I could sort of see that they were under incredible stress, you know, that they were going around the supermarket, picking up things because they felt that they needed to have them and felt that, you know, they'd almost be, it'd almost be embarrassing to not have them on Christmas. But at the end of the day, as I keep saying, that's not what it's about. And I just wanted to give a shout out to all the parents because listen, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm not I'm not in that position and I'm I'm very lucky not to be, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that I'm not. But for parents at this time of year, it can be really, really stressful. And if you are the breadwinner or the sole breadwinner and you are feeling the pinch in general here in the UK, especially, I can't speak for what it's like in other places, but if you're feeling that pressure to deliver on Christmas. And, and to go above and beyond, mate, don't do it at the expense of, you know, your mental health and your your well-being, because that's not what it's about. It's about your family. It's about spending time with your loved ones. The rest of it are byproducts. And if you go through Instagram and look at everybody posting all the fancy stuff they had on their dinner table and all of that, you know, it's very easy to feel that pressure even more. And it's very easy to kind of fall into that trap of, stretching beyond your means and then suffering for it in some way later so yeah just wanted to say that like shout out to all the parents that you know work their bollocks off to make sure that their families have the best possible christmases but always remember that that's not what it's about and it might feel like that sometimes but it really isn't and and if you can kind of keep that in your mind i think you know you you'll be much better off for it i know there's a bit of a speech about christmas sorry uh, anyway, let's get back to the football. Uh, Jimmy Flo says, uh, when do you think Arteta will push Martinelli into the middle? Will you be surprised if it's going to be against West Ham? I don't think that Martinelli is going to play through the middle. I don't think that while Eddie Nketi is fit and available and playing well and satisfying Mikel Arteta in terms of what he's bringing to the table, I don't think that you're going to see Martinelli play there. I think you lose a lot as well if you take Martinelli off the left. I think he's really effective from that position. And as I said earlier on, mate, knowing that Smith Rowe's not there yet, knowing that Reese Nelson's out, knowing that Mikel Arteta probably doesn't feel that Marquinhos is quite ready yet, and that I think there's still reservations about Fabio Vieira and what he can do from one of those wide positions. I don't think that there is really 
a good, strong case to move Martinelli off of the left and put him inside. Enketia, for me, let's give him a chance. Let's give him a chance. Let's see what he delivers. Let's see what he does. Let's see how he does. Um, you know, he will work hard. He will try. He will uh, close people down. He will hassle people. Does he have the football intelligence of Gabby Jesus? No. Does he have the dribbling ability of Gabby Jesus? No. Can he score as many goals as Gabriel Jesus? I think he can. Playing in the first team, forget what you see in the Carabao Cup, forget what you see in the Europa League when it's a mixed match of an Arsenal team. Eddie Nketiah, I think, proved at the back end of last season that in the Premier League, with the right players around him, he can score goals. So let's give him a chance. Does it change some of our build-up play? Does it change some of our model? Of course it does, because he's not Gabriel Jesus. But I really, really want to give him a chance, and I really, really hope that he can um, he can succeed and, and fill that gap as best as possible for us. So I don't expect Mikel Arteta to abandon the idea of Enketia being the replacement, especially after they tied him down to the contract they did. They did that because they felt that there's something there. They did that because they believed that there is a player there that can help this squad and help this group. And they'd be, almost be hypocrites now if at the first hurdle, at the first opportunity that Eddie Nketiah gets, they overlook him and push Martinelli in there. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I really don't. Uh, Leo also says, though, I would play Martinelli in the middle with Saka on the right and Fabio Vieira on the left. So plenty do feel that way. And I get it. Like I get there are reservations over Eddie, but I just don't see Mikel Arteta doing that. Uh, Deflected Mind says, uh, two questions, Harry. Should we sign McAllister? since we don't have much depth in midfield. Um, I like Alexis McAllister, but if I'm honest with you, I haven't been wowed by him during his time at Brighton. I thought he was good in the World Cup. I thought there were a lot of players in that Argentina side that were effective in a system that was clearly built and designed to get the best out of Lionel Messi. I'd quite like Alexis McAllister if, if he were available at reasonable price, but like with anything, there is a price that, you know, I, I wouldn't be prepared to go beyond. I don't really know what that is with Alexis McAllister, but you can bet that after his successful World Cup campaign, Brighton's base rate, base asking price for him would have shot up um, probably by double. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's a realistic target for this window. At number two, he says, at what price is Joao Felix a good signing? I think anything up to 50 million. I think he's that good. I think he's got a lot of potential, unfulfilled potential. And I think at the right club, a bit like Martin Odegaard, at the right club, I think he can be a real, real key player. And he will add depth into that forward line in general because he could play from the left. He could play from the right. He could play as a centre forward. He could play just off the centre forward. And so, yeah, I, I think he would be a good signing. But as we said yesterday, it appears that Atletico Madrid would actually be quite open to allowing him to leave on loan which is something that I think if you're Arsenal, you have to, at the very least, be exploring. You really, really do. I like the player. I said a couple of weeks ago that Arsenal should go after him. I said that Arsenal should try. I spoke about the situation between him and Atletico Madrid, and I was met by a barrage of comments saying, there's no way we get this guy. We can't afford to pay 85, 90 million pounds, which is what Atletico will want because of what they paid for him. And lo and behold, yesterday, the reports dropped that actually they'd be willing to let him go on loan. That's how bad the situation is between Atletico and Joao Felix. Try and take advantage of it, Arsenal, if you can. 
Ioku says, uh, good morning, Harry, and greetings from Canada. I'll be visiting the UK the week of the 13th of Feb. Can't find the city ticket anywhere, though. Any suggestions, please? Um, Ioku, mate, I, I, if I hear of any, um, DM me on Twitter if you've got Twitter, at Harry Simiu, and so that I have your details there if, if I do come across anything. But I, I've had so many people asking me over the last couple of months, how do I get tickets? How do I get tickets? And the truth is that unless you're a member at Arsenal, it's really, really difficult nowadays, even more so this season because of how well the team are playing. Everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to be a part of it. And it makes it much more difficult for people like yourselves coming over from abroad um, and looking for tickets for a sort of one-off fixture. If I hear of anything, I will let you know, I promise you. But at this moment in time, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you where to get one other than maybe to keep tabs on the ticket exchange um, or to, you know, to keep an eye on Twitter. You know, there are certain accounts out there that do sort of help people find spare tickets, et cetera, et cetera. But again, I don't want to say that you should definitely do that just because, you know, I'm wary that there are people out there looking to rip people off. There are people out there that will sell them for crazy amounts of money. And there are also people out there that will sell you fakes. And, and it's really a difficult place and, and world to navigate. Um, but I, I don't know of any at the moment, mate, but I'd keep an eye on Twitter. I'd keep an eye on the ticket exchange, et cetera, et cetera. And if you DM me on Twitter, if I do hear of anything, I will be sure uh, to let you know, mate. Um, so, yeah, let me know. Uh, Gangle says, um, who would be Eddie's sub? Well, we don't have one at the moment. That's kind of the problem, isn't it? Beyond Eddie and Ketia, we're very limited in terms of centre-forward options. And I think that's part of the reason why Arsenal are pushing to get Mikhailo Mudrik uh, during this window. Maybe not because they see him as a centre-forward, but maybe because, as some of you have suggested, it could free up Gabriel Martinelli. I don't know exactly. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, at the moment, there isn't a, a standout option, is there? Which is why we... Um, which is why we... Um, why we're talking about a lack of depth and why we're talking about the need to improve the squad. Uh, Fireproof uh, Antho says, if Felix is causing problems at Atletico, would we want that? We've been trying to get those characters out. It depends on what the problems are, mate, because it's not him. It's not him being a bad apple, right? It's not. Well, uh, there's probably an element of that, too. And, and as there would be, but it depends what the problem is for me. You know, I mean, we know he's an attacking creative player and we know that Diego Simeone kind of sucks that out of people and drains that out of people. And we know that that or the issues are, are due to a clash of styles. So if I were Mikel Arteta and I spoke to him and I outlined to him exactly what his role would be and exactly how he'd fare and exactly, you know, what I'd be looking for from him and he was on board with that, then I would entertain the idea of taking him on loan. And, and see where you are. You know, you don't have to sign him um, on a permanent basis. You know, Atletico Madrid, as, as we say, are indicating to people that they would allow him to go out on loan for a fee of around about £8 million as long as his wages are covered during that period because they are fearful of the knock-on impact that would have on their FFP uh, sort of status. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would take him on loan, uh, you know, in the interim if he was on the same page as me if I were Mikel Arteta. Sometimes, you know, players do have problems at clubs and I don't think 
you can always label them as bad apples just because of that. Sometimes it's a clash of styles. And I do think that's the that's the issue here. Uh, AJ says, uh, hi, Harry, thoughts on Emil Smith-Rowe integrating back into the team. How important do you think he'll be for the remaining games? Look, I think before his last set of injuries, he was arguably our best player. Playing from the left-hand side, scoring goals, involved in the play constantly, a real threat. And then obviously he he got injured, picked up a couple of injuries in the second half of last season and almost disappeared. But as I say, prior to that, he was one of the shining lights. He's a top, top draw player. He might need some time to get back into the swing of things. But he is and can be as good in a different way as Gabriel Martinelli in that forward line, if you ask me. Emil Smith-Rowe at his best is a real threat, a different threat, but still a real threat. And to be able to shuffle things around when we need to, to be able to have that, you know, different type of player when we need to, you could even put him into Martin Odegaard's creative role if you wanted him to in certain games, to be able to bring on an additional creator off the bench. I think it's going to be so, so important. And Mikel Arteta keeps talking about the pileup of fixtures that we'll now have in the second part of the season, how much more frenetic and how much more uh, of an overload there's going to be on his players. And the more options you have when you're trying to compete uh, in the Premier League, but also on the European stage, the better. And he is going to be very, very important, very, very key, because you are seeing now how thin we are in certain departments. You know, we're talking about Tommy Asu. Is he going to be available? Don't know. Zinchenko, is he going to be available at the weekend? We don't know. There's even a slight question mark over Kieran Tierney. And now we're talking about bringing a centre-half in to the team, into the starting lineup because we're desperate, who's literally just returned from the World Cup because we have to. And so things like that highlight the need. Nelson's out. Smith-Rowe um, isn't obviously available at the moment. Marquinhos, I'm still not 100% sure about him. I think he's got potential. Probably needs a loan move for me. There are things that Arsenal, you know, probably should be trying to do in January because of where we're a little bit weak and a little bit shaky in certain areas. And so if you're saying that we need to dip into the transfer market, then the importance of the players that we do have and, and we know are good enough is even higher, is even bigger, is even more. So, yeah, um, I think he's going to be key. I really do. Uh, I think everybody's going to be key. We're going to need a real concerted effort to maintain the levels we've shown. Right, guys, I am going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Our first preview show back in the Premier League. Arsenal take on West Ham United on Boxing Day at Emirates Stadium. It's back to business for the Gunners. But can they pick up where they left off? Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. There's over a couple of hundred of you with me right now. Just 46 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 100 ASAP. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. We recently hit the milestone of 25,000. We're looking to push now on towards that 30,000 subscriber mark here on the YouTube channel. Keep helping us, keep uh, helping us grow and uh, and we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. Thank you all so, so much. And I'll see some of you at the Emirates on Boxing Day, up the Arsenal. Come on, you gunners. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.